the Gospel of John. So if you've got your Bibles with you, you can uh, turn to John chapter 8. This chapter started off with the interaction that Jesus had with the woman caught in adultery. Um, and you remember that, uh, that there was definitely a, a, a ploy, a plot that was going on there in the, the hearts of the, the religious leaders, the religious elite. Um, they thought that this would be an opportunity that they would be able to, to entrap Jesus in, uh, in doing something that would compromise his popularity with the people, that would undermine his, his authority by perhaps going against the, uh, the law of Moses. They were looking to somehow uh, destroy his credibility. Um, didn't work. And so they continued on. There's, there were then followed this discourse that we've been looking at for a couple of weeks uh, where Jesus is interacting with, uh, at, at first it, it talks about the Pharisees, that the Pharisees were, were speaking and, and, and uh, uh, condemning Jesus for, for bearing witness for himself. And, and then it talks about the Jews. Uh, and, and, and so it was more than just uh, the the religious elite, there were others that were in the crowd. The Jewish people were were, uh, for whatever reason, antagonistic towards Christ. They were they were attacking him and the things that he was saying and and questioning um, his authority for uh, the the claims that he was making. Um, and yet Jesus continued to speak truth, continued to speak words of hope words of of salvation and redemption into these people's lives uh, speaking the 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 um the reality of who he was and we came to verse 30 and we hear these wonderful words as he was saying these things many believed in him That's, that's the, the reality that, that as the, the, the truth about Jesus Christ continues to get revealed, continues to be proclaimed in our world, there are those who will believe. We see evidence of that all around us. That even in the face of great uh, persecution, uh, through through opposition and and ridicule, that as the message of Christ continues to be proclaimed, there are people who respond and believe. And so uh, we start in verse thirty one with Jesus turning to those people, and it says here, "So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him." If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
Jesus recognizes that these people are very new in this faith, that they are just beginning to, to discover the, their, their uh, trust in Him and, and, and their eyes beginning to open up about who He is and, and His character and His divine nature and, and His offer of salvation for them. And so He is sharing some, some words of encouragement, some, some discipleship and helping them to, to know how to kind of take the next steps of faith, recognizing, you remember the, the, uh, the parable of the, the soils where the farmer went out and, and sowed his seed and, and the, the seed was following, falling on different parts of the field and, and, and the majority of that seed landed on those places where, where the truth was there, but it was snatched up or it was choked out or, or it was destroyed somehow in their heart and Jesus wanted to give some words of encouragement that would help the roots of that word, of the truth of Himself, to go deep into their hearts, uh, that it would grow and it would bear fruit. So Jesus is engaging in some discipleship here. And, and, and then something awkward happens. Um... The, the, this section starts off that Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in Him. So He is speaking to these people. The author, John, here is identifying these people who, who are coming to faith. Um, and so you then expect that the next pronoun, they, is referring to those people. And yet something here is happening that is a little bit awkward in this conversation that Jesus had, had was speaking that was intended to build up faith in these people is going sideways a little bit. So verse 32, and it says, or no, 33, they answered him, well, we are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? So they're asking an honest question, but the words of Jesus here seem to have rubbed them a little bit wrong in the wrong way. Where they were going, I'm on the hold it, Jesus. We're free people. How can you say that we are somehow in need of freedom from slavery? We've never been slaves to anyone. And, and again, it, it, there is nothing in here that would indicate that Jesus, that, that the they that is being referred to is anybody but the ones that Jesus is addressing who initially it says here, who believed in him. And, and as the conversation goes on, you begin to question, you wonder if, if that faith had taken root at all. Jesus responds to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave. Is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. No, it's the Son who remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham. Yet, 
you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father and you do what you have heard from your father. Now again, there may be some indication in that statement that the they has switched somehow. Uh, that, that it's no longer the people who believed in Jesus, but perhaps it was those who were opposed to Jesus and He's speaking to them. Uh, and yet the, the context doesn't give us that opportunity. Uh, and, and I think it, it's, I think at first we need to just hold on to the fact that this is still the same group of people who had initially believed in Jesus and yet something is starting to happen. Jesus has seen something in their heart and He is pushing them a little bit in their faith. Wanting to challenge some of the things that, 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 they, that they are believing. And, and, and there, there certainly is precedent for this, right? We have seen this already in the Gospel of John that, that Jesus, when, when He sees people who are responding to Him faith, He doesn't just make it easy for them. He doesn't just make faith and belief in Him easy. He, he challenges them. Where was that? We had that in, in uh, uh, what chapter was that? John chapter 6. John chapter 6 and verse 66. Where earlier on in the chapter, Jesus had been talking about Himself as the bread of life. And then had been talking about how if you, you need to eat My flesh and drink My blood or you have no part with Me. And this got to be some difficult language. And we see there in verse 66, after this, many of His disciples turned back and no longer walked with Him. Again, we identified these were disciples. These were not, not one of the twelve, but these were people who had been following Jesus likely who had been baptized. A disciple was often baptized by their rabbi and so were, were in a, a, a significant kind of relationship with them. And here we see that these were turned away from Christ because of the things that He said. We've seen this in other places as well. I think probably one of the most significant statements that uh, that uh, that I've seen is uh, comes in the Gospel of Mark, uh, in the story of the the paralyzed man who was healed, that was uh, lowered down through the through the ceiling, uh, through the roof, uh, and brought before Jesus, and Jesus uh, uh, forgave his sins and all of the Pharisees that were there. And you will remember that that there were. Pharisees, when we look at the passage in Luke that tells the same story, there were uh, religious leaders all the way from Jerusalem and Judea and all around had come. They had received Jesus' calling card as the Messiah when He healed the leper and sent Him to the temple to show Himself to the priests. And the priest went, this is one of the signs that we had determined only Messiah would be able to do is to heal a leper who, who, um, a Jewish leper from their, from their leprosy. And so they had all come out to see who was this one who was claiming to be Messiah, who had the power to heal leprosy. And Jesus said, forgive your sins. And they all went, well, hold it. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus said, 
knowing their thoughts. And he said, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or pick up your bed and walk. But to show you that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins, he turns to the man and says, Get up your, pick up your bed and walk. And he does. And what do we see there in Mark chapter 2? At the end of that statement, And he rose immediately and picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all, not only a small portion, all were amazed and glorified God. All of these religious leaders who had come to test and see if this was truly the Messiah, knowing that only that only God would be able to forgive sins, they see this sign of this man forgiving sins and then proving it by allow, healing this man so that he could walk, and they all glorified God. What does that mean? At that point, at that moment, they were bought in. These religious leaders, the priests, the Pharisees, all of these religious elite saw these things and said, yes, this is what we've been looking for. This is the Messiah. And they were glorifying God. And then Jesus systematically begins to attack their expectations of who Messiah would be so that within just a few verses, we get to chapter 3 and verse 6. And the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. Jesus acknowledged that these people were putting their faith, that they were coming to a place of believing in him, and he systematically began to push and to challenge and to, to to question their expectations. And they were so tied to their expectations that they rejected the one that they knew was the Messiah. Because He didn't come in the way that they could control the way that they wanted Him to. So we come back to this passage. And there truly is precedent for those who are expressing faith that initially are responding to the message of Christ, Jesus comes and challenges them and pushes at them. So we continue to read here in chapter 8 that after this response where Jesus is questioning, where He is acknowledging that He is speaking from what His Father has to say, but it sounds like they are coming from a place where they're father was getting a little bit touchy so they answered him Abraham is our father so Jesus said to them if you were Abraham's children you would be doing what Abraham did but now you seek to kill me a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing what your father did. Whoa. Them's fighting words for any red-blooded Jew. For you to question their connection with Abraham? To suggest that that Abraham is not their father? 
that somehow they are the son or the children of someone else? Uh, that's not very pleasant. And like any good human being would do, when we get challenged, we like to throw a little bit something back. And that's exactly what happens. So they said to him, we were not born from sexual immorality. We have one Father, even God. These people knew who Jesus was. They knew the, the uncertainty of His parentage. The gossip had gotten around that Mary had gotten pregnant before she was betrothed, before she was married to Joseph. And they had been kind of keeping this under their belt and they didn't want to talk about it. But now that Jesus was attacking them, they lobbed a little bit of a hot pocket, a hot potato onto him and said, well, at least we know who our father is. Not mentioning any names of others who might not know who their father is. And then they make it very holy. They don't even go just to Abraham. They go to the top and say, Our Father, we have one Father, even God. But Jesus knows the truth. If God were your Father, you would love Me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but He sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth when he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. And the reason why you do not hear them is that you are not God. Jesus is no longer fooling around. He doesn't want to be making vague references to their father and leave that uncertain of who that is. He is cutting to the quick and saying, your father is the father of lies. And the reason that you don't believe me, the reason that you are rejecting me and wanting to kill me is because you are doing the will of your father, not God. I have come from God. So now in the text, the they switches again to the Jews. 
And whether this are, are no longer speaking of the Jews who believed in Him, we don't know. But they, being attacked now, continued up the ante. And the Jews answered Him, Are, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it. And he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Then the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon because Abraham died as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets who died? Who do you make yourself out to be? And there is the question. Who is this Jesus? If he's a good teacher we can accept Him. If He's a, a wise prophet, we'll listen to His words. But the question is, uh, not, not the reality is, is that He is so much more than that. And Jesus has been pushing at them to get them to this point to ask this question so that He can make it very clear who He is. This is his response. If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not owe him, I would be the liar, like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and he was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. That's exactly where Jesus wanted to get this conversation to. And for those of you that know the story of Moses at the burning bush, and he asked God that he met there, that if he is to go to the Jews to tell them about God's redemption for them, His plan of saving them out of the hand of Egypt, that He would need to know the name of this God that was sending them. Who should I say has sent me? God's response was, I am has sent you. Tell them that I am is the one who has come to rescue them. And this is the name that I will be known by from here out. In the Hebrew, that is Yahweh. And all of these statements that we have been reading up to this point where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. 
I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the truth, the way, and the life. All of those I am statements, and this one here is the most significant because it is grammatically all out of place. Jesus intended this to be his definitive statement of who he was as the Almighty God, the creator of the universe, the one who who, who had rescued them, the one who had come to save them now. I am Yahweh. Hi. And there can be no doubt that the people who heard what he said knew exactly what he meant. Because the statement that he made was if he was anything except God was blasphemous. And there is only one punishment for that blasphemy. And that's what we read. So they picked up stones to throw at him. That was exactly the right response if Jesus was anything except who he truly was. They knew that he was making a claim to being God. <laughs> and that's why they picked up the stones to throw at him. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What is the truth that Jesus was speaking about here? What was the truth that he was putting out to these people so that they would be able to be winnowed out? They would be able to be separated from those who were truly believing and those who were just uh, following along that Jesus was, is God. All of the things that He has been saying up to this point have been implying that, have been pointing towards that, and He's been trying to establish that, that, that He is the one that, that is come to save these people. That He is the God who was come to redeem them. He is the God who established them. He is the God who will sustain them through all of eternity. That He is Almighty God, Yahweh. And that is the truth that Jesus Christ is holding out to us today. And it is the truth that separates those who are truly His followers and those that are being deceived. So when you have folks coming to your door from the, uh, the Jehovah's Witness and they try and, 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 and proclaim to you all of the truth that they have in their Bible, the thing that separates a follower of Christ from somebody who is a Jehovah's Witness is that the Jehovah's Witness think that Jesus is a God among many gods. 
that he is one of the sons of God, along with Lucifer, who is also one of the sons of God. It just happens that Jesus took the right turn and Lucifer took the wrong turn. And so just as Lucifer's character and nature is corruptible, so Christ's nature is potentially corruptible, even though it hasn't been. And so anyone who is a follower of Christ needs to be very careful about how they live and needs to have a legalistic guideline to bar up their lives. Otherwise, their nature will also be corrupted and follow Jesus' brother, Lucifer. It is a complete misunderstanding of the nature and character of Jesus Christ. They refuse to acknowledge that Jesus is, I am. Even though He very clearly said it. So when you talk with Mormons, again, same issue. The problem is, is their understanding of who Christ is. Same situation where Jesus is not the God. He is a God. Just like many of the rest of us can somehow at some point ascend to the same level as Christ through our own efforts and good works that one day we will be just like Him. A God, not Yahweh God. He will talk with people from the Islamic faith who say that Jesus was a prophet, one of the the most important prophets, that He was perfect in everything that He did. That there was no mistake and He was holy and He's somebody that we need to listen to and, and follow. But if you try and suggest that He is God, well, that's impossible. There's no way that God could take on human flesh. It just is a below God. It is just a, a too un, impossible for God to humiliate Himself in that way. And so it's impossible that Jesus is truly Yahweh God. Every worldview that you're going to come up with is going to miss on this point. And the reality is, is that so many people who call themselves Christians also miss on this point. They may even say the words that they believe that Jesus is God. But when they live their lives, they feel that they need to be the one who is in control. That they need to be the one who, who, who follows the, the, the proper moral code. That, it, that, that it, Christ alone doesn't save them, but it's them that, that has to, to rescue themselves and their good works need to save themselves. Their ability to follow the right rituals are what bring them to Christ. Uh, that it's their participation in church, their, their giving into the offering, uh, their good works that they do to those who are poor and less fortunate, that all of those things are what save them rather than the reality that it is only Jesus Christ in them. And that is our wonderful hope. That is the truth that will set you free. We use that phrase sometimes in the wrong context. 
We talk about how if you follow the truth, the truth will set you free. If, if you speak the truth, and I've said this to my kids, if you speak the truth, you won't be all bound up by the lies and everything that you're trying to cover up. Just be true. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. When he says the truth will set you free, that truth is that he is God and he will complete all of the good works that God has planned for you in your life. That by your dependence on Him and you're following Him, you're listening to His Holy Spirit leading and guiding in every moment and day of your life, that through that you will be saved. We don't have to try and figure out what the right thing to do is. Because Christ is in us leading and guiding us. And His Spirit will show us the steps that we should take What is that Bill has been repeating again and again in our, in our Bible study? The, the steps of the righteous are ordered by God. It's not that, that the righteous, because they're walking in the right places, that they are stepping up according to God, but it is as they are taking steps, the Lord God is ordering exactly where they need to go. And if you are a follower of Christ, if you are trusting in Him for your salvation alone, everything you do is guided by the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Yeah. The Holy Spirit guides us in all circumstances and situations. Whatever the choices. That is the wonderful hope. Trying to come up with the ethical uh, right answer for any given situation is impossible because there are an infinite amount of variables that we don't know anything about. And we don't know how our choices are going to land on other people. But when we are walking according to I am's leading and direction, we can know that He will always lead us exactly into the right place to respond in exactly the right way in our relationships that we have, in the, the tasks that we have in our lives, in the, the choices that we make for, for how we are going to spend our lives. All of that is ordered by Christ. We don't have to question because He is leading and guiding us and we can trust Him in that. That is the truth that will set you free. Are you free today? Are you experiencing the freedom of of, of not having to worry about the choices that you make in life, but knowing that the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding and ordering your steps exactly where you need to be. There is a beauty, there is a freedom, there is a glorious peace that comes in that place. Are you experiencing that today? Jesus wants you to know that there is a truth that will set you free and that is He is 
God. And you can trust Him. And you can follow Him. And your life will be fuller than anything you might have ever anticipated or expected. Will you trust in Him? Let's pray. Lord, there are so many reasons that we can get off track. That we can, even starting off with our faith and trust in You as God, that we allow ourselves to grab back the control and the, 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 the authority in our own lives. To forget about the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that today that we would experience that freedom that comes only through Your truth. Only through our trust in You as Yahweh. As our I Am. Lord, I pray for the one right now here today that is recognizing and feeling Your Spirit pointing out the fact that they have been held captive. Lord, I pray that they would experience the truth that, that, that comes through knowing You as God, trusting You for every, every moment, every action, every word, every thought, every attitude of their life, that they can know that You are leading them into exactly the place where they need to be. Even though circumstances and situations seem to be falling apart, nothing's working out the way that they thought it would, and, and, and life is hard right now. Lord, I pray that they would get, know the freedom that comes with You as God and that You are leading and guiding them and they can trust in You. And all they need to do is to fix their eyes on You. And You who have begun that good work in them will see it through to completion. And Lord, we pray that as we go from this place here this morning, that we will all walk with that awareness of that truth. That we will walk in that freedom. And the people who we encounter on our way will see that in us and trust in You as well. Give us the words to say, the, the actions to do, the things that we can, can do to, to be agents of Your peace and Your love and Your truth in people's lives today? And would we see an awakening in this community? We know that we need You. That there is no way that we can do this on our own. And so we trust in You and look to You for our help in every circumstance and situation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Denny and Shirley are going to come and lead us in a song, Lord, I need You. Um, because that's the truth.